We've got our scholarship awards that happen during conference. And I told you I had a scholarship thing. We yeah. have broken a million dollars this year. Hey, it's oh my the God. biggest scholarship pool that we have ever been able to put together with the help of our generous donors. And as I said, with our membership, it's from, from enthusiast to astronaut, our scholarships are the same. If you want to be an engineer, there are engineering scholarships, ATC scholarships, manufacturing scholarships. There are obviously for pilots, whether whatever stage of your career you're in, oh. from beginning to getting a type rating in a 787, wow. it's, it's there. And we're trying to make sure that that opportunity and that educational piece is, is available. Hello and welcome to the Business Aviation Collective podcast sponsored by LD Aviation. I'm Lindsay Dyer and today we get a chance to talk to Jesse Rowden. Jesse Rowden recently joined Women in Aviation International, but she's had a ton of experience in the FBO and managerial side with other aviation. So we're going to hear all about that. But we're also going to hear about some of the other uh, volunteer projects that she has been affiliated with over the past 15 years. And then once we get to talking a little bit more about Women in Aviation International as an organization, we want to hear some of the stats about the actual numbers of women in aviation, because I think it's going to blow your mind. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you so much, Lindsay. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it. Oh, likewise. We're glad to have you. And for those who are listening, Jesse has been on a previous podcast with us when we were talking all about FBOs. And so if you ever want to, you can pop back and listen to that one. It's a pretty good one as well. Awesome. So Jesse, I think I want to first start out with how did you get into aviation? If I look at your LinkedIn, your education, the bachelor's degree that you have is not in aviation, but a lot of your, actually, it looks like most of your actual work history is. All of my work history okay. is. Um, I got into, I, I, it was an accident, 1 billion percent. I, that you are correct. I went into education. My, my background was to teach social sciences for high schoolers and when it was time to make that jump into a career, my student teaching was not that great. Unfortunately, it was not a great experience for me. And okay. I had a very big realization that it was less about the kids and more about the system. Yeah. And the whole reason that I was getting into it was because of the kids. Okay. Now, that being said, I am of an age, um, not to not to rat on myself how old I am here, but I am of an age and and from a very small rural community in Missouri. And the opportunities that were presented to me as I was going into college were very few. And and there's not there's I want to first say there's absolutely nothing wrong with the career paths that were, were presented to me. They're admirable, admirable career paths. Mm -hmm. But I can look back now and say that myself and my classmates were definitely kind of pushed into, you know, education or nursing or maybe maybe some type of business. But we weren't encouraged in the STEM fields. We I hadn't heard about aviation until I answered an ad in a paper for a customer service representative. I was like, well, I can do that. You know, sure. And I my my former father-in-law took me for a tour of the airport where he was doing flight lessons and Turned out that I loved it and I was I was 
fairly okay at it. So I decided to stay. Awesome. That's a great story. I think so many of us fall into this, this aviation thing by accident. Yeah. Well, awesome. So you started out, you worked as a CSR. And how, tell us about your whole background. Like, where did you go after that? So it started as a CSR actually in Jackson Hole. Um, and then my, we were, oh, it was beautiful. It was amazing. Um, but unfortunately, the, the uh, billionaires are, are now pushing up a millionaire. So to afford to live in Jackson Hole is a little, right, a little interesting as, yep. as a, a worker. And I, you know, my my then husband and I wanted to to move forward forward. So he was going to school in Arizona, and that's where I started with Cutter. And I actually started as a customer service representative with them as well, and uh, was there as a representative for about three months. And then I was more of a supervisor on the customer service level for another three months. And then the opportunity came to re- uh, take over their facility manager position for the Deer Valley location in Phoenix. So um, my philosophy as these things came along was, sure, why not? You know, I'll figure it out. Fly by the seat of my pants as we do it. And I did that for a year. And then Cutter purchased Colorado Springs and they asked if I would go open and and operate that. So we did. Then as that progressed, our manager in Albuquerque was ready to retire after 42 years because people just mm. stay at Cutter because it's just that kind of a company. They don't leave, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so he was retiring and they asked if I could come down here to Albuquerque, which was a great opportunity because it was a significantly larger operation than what I had at the time in Colorado Springs. Okay. And it was going to be different experiences, different you know contracts and, and those type of things. And I wanted to make sure that I had those opportunities. So I, I did end my... Cutter career after 18 years. Uh, wow, 18 years. Yes, I, 18 amazing years. I owe a lot to them. My education was on the fly because it wasn't my background, but they were fantastic and supportive and and wonderful. And you mentioned to me, you know, we spoke a little bit before we started this. You mentioned to me that on your watch, you had very little attrition. We did. There were both in the Colorado Springs location and the Albuquerque location as they were looking at turnover, you know, they were they were seeing how that was going and and what we needed to do. It was pretty regular that my location had the least turnover of of any location. So it was it was good. It was stressful, um, but it was good. Do you have any um suggestions on well, like what did you do to make that low turnover i'm sure it was multiple things but as a manager i think that you really have to be attuned to what's going in on in people's lives you know there are unfortunately going to be those employees that are just going to try to take over or take advantage of systems but i think you find that that's actually more rare than is believed in society or the industry, most of the time it's a struggle. Um, either it's a health struggle or a childcare struggle, or there's something going on at home and they really need that support. So if you can give that support to them for a, a, and make a plan with them, don't you know, you can't let it just be an eternity that they can go for this. But if we can make an adjustment to your schedule for the next six months to accommodate you know, a lack of childcare, or there is a loss in your life, has been a loss in your life, let's make sure that we're presenting all of the options that you have to make sure that you have the care that you need. Because if you're not coming to work as your best self, 
we're not doing you any favors and you're not doing us any favors, right? Very true. Yeah. So I I think that a lot of it had to do with that. You know, we're and unfortunately, as a leader, you know, that does add to additional stress because now mm-hmm. you know everything that's going on in everyone's <laughs> lives and you're sure. their trusted person. Mm-hmm. So you have to navigate all of the conversations with everyone very carefully. But yeah, and sometimes get inventive, you know, uh, inventive. Have, I think that's definitely mm-hmm. yeah important. We had a we had a gentleman in particular that had been with the company. He celebrated his 34th anniversary the year that I was leaving, but he is unfortunately facing declining health. Uh-huh. And his his wife is also has declining health. And, they, you know, there's all of these things that have gone on for him and he still wants to work. But his body just is not allowing him to do the same thing sure. that he yeah. did for 34 years. So, you know, it, it really came down to, hey, we need to have an open and honest conversation and we really both need to be realistic about how we move forward. So I've come up with these options. Mm-hmm. We can take you here. We can, you know, kind of change your title. We can move your schedule around a little bit so you're not coming in so early. What are the things that we can do to help you? And that gentleman is still there and he's doing a great job and he's really fit into that new role. Even though I think there was a source of pride for him, you know, there's there's definitely the I can't do that job anymore. But he realizes that we're going to do whatever we have to do to make sure that he has the resources that he needs. And then mm-hmm. once once he makes the decision that maybe it's time to step back and retire, then that's his decision. It's not our decision. Yeah, beautiful. What a great organization. They are really so- are. After Cutter, you went into Women in Aviation International. You got a really cool position. But before we kind of talk about that, because there's a ton of things we can talk about there, I kind of want to go to some of the volunteer work that you've done. So it looks like the longest standing volunteer uh, organization you've been working with is called the Ephraim Orphan Project. What is that? What do they do? What do you do to help them? So the Ephraim Orphan Project is an initiative that about five of us worked on really hard right after the earthquake in Haiti um, in what 2011, I believe. Has it been that long? It has. I know. Yep. It sounds crazy. But seeing the devastation that had hit Port-au-Prince and the entire country, but Port-au-Prince very much affected, we saw these kids, and in particular medically fragile kids, okay. that were not being cared for. You know, a lot of times these kids were just on the side of the road begging. They were not in an orphanage. They weren't they weren't receiving the medical treatment that they needed. And so one of the things that we started, we have a friend that that is Haitian and we went down and we're volunteering with a different organization. But we kind of started asking some questions, you know, decentralization out of Port-au-Prince is very important. They think, you know, those who are familiar with the, the political situation in Haiti Things are not good there and they've not been good for a long time. So getting mm-hmm. out of Port-au-Prince or Cape Haitian, those large towns, you know, mm-hmm. kind of getting into the communities. So we had one of the mayors of a town heard that we were kind of making inquiries and he called us. There were three of us there that day. He called and asked for a meeting and he actually signed over five acres of land to us just just for free. Whoa. Gave that land to us because he heard what we were trying to do. 
And so the first thing that we did is we went into the two communities closest, which is uh, Las Cajobas and Miramar Lake. Okay. We went into those two communities. We partnered with the Bahamas Project and we put freshwater systems in the town well. Cool. Because important. the community knows that we are there to support them, not to take over. Because unfortunately, that has been a, a very regular process when people are going in. They're going to go in and they're going to save Haiti, mm-hmm. but they're going to do it their way. They're not going to do it Haiti's way. Okay. So, yeah. Those were the first two things that we did. We put in those freshwater systems and then we started building the orphanage and working on building and making it as self-sustainable as possible. So at this juncture, the orphanage is about 80% 80 self-sustainable. So there's a farm. There are farm animals. The kids have their, yeah, the kids have their responsibilities to take care of the chores and help take care of the things. The people who are employed by the orphanage are local Haitians. We managed, yeah, I think it was just one of those those universe things. I helped write the 501 for that and, and do the application. And our application was improved within four months, which is unheard of. Wow. Just unheard of. So, you know, we, we immediately got to work. And those are the things that we were doing. And we have contacts that are doctors and they come in and they not only really take care of our kids. They also go into the villages and they'll hold a dental day for the community where the community can come in. We have another partner that came in, which is Project 117, and they purchased land beside us. So there's now the orphanage, which is now two. We have a boy's home and a girl's home. Okay. And then we have Project 117 that is on on the property next to us, which has constructed a school as well as a church. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And all of that in like 10 years? I yes, guess 12 years, I guess. I'm telling you, the universe just put everything together. Um, the only people that are paid are the local Haitian workers. So they're they are the caregivers for the kids. They're well vetted. Okay. Um, they're the they're the everyday caregivers for the kids, as well as our our uh, farm. They help us run the farm and make sure that our crops are good and and doing those kind of things. So they are the only paid people for everyone else. You know, when we travel, we travel on our own dime. I have stepped back uh, because we actually were very fortunate that a very large organization in Manhattan, Kansas, a church came in and started supporting the okay. organization. And they have more power, right? They had more sure. more things that they could do rather than us working after hours after work and, and doing the sure. same. So they took that over and they have been running the executive side of it. So at this point, you know, I'm I'm a supporter financially when when I have the ability to do so. My kids are aware. We do have a plan that when the kids get a little bit bigger and maybe things get a little calm down just a little bit more there that we'll be taking a family trip there and volunteering when we have the ability to do so. Very cool. Because I firmly believe that my kids need to see it. You know, they they need to understand what life is somewhere else. I totally agree. I know. I think my kids are they're oblivious to the facts. I mean, we travel a little bit here and there, but we look around us and we have such abundance here. Yeah. That's that would be a so that would be just such a great trip. Yeah. yeah. My kids have can. no idea what it is to live in a home that doesn't have a completed roof and your bed is on a concrete floor and right. clothes are generally the ones that you have on. Maybe a couple yep. couple of changes, but that's it. Right. Uh, if there are clothes at all, because a lot of, you know, when when I've been there in the past, you know, there are a lot of the little ones that don't have clothing at all. Sure. So and that makes me uh, think my my daughter this morning who was whining about what could she wear in this giant 
you know, closet that she has seems kind of silly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But really, it there. really makes you take a step back and evaluate. Um, there were some tears from me on my own privilege. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, how much have I taken advantage of this? Yeah. Well, what a great way to give back. So, so, so cool. So for those listening, I'm sure that there's a donation button and I didn't ask Jesse about this before, but I will find it as I'm sure it's there and I'll pop it into the notes in case anybody wants to donate. Because like you said, so most of that is, you said the adults are paid, but all of it's run on donations, I would assume. All of it is absolutely run on donations. Again, we have we have doctors that come in from the states and they volunteer within the community. But the only paid employees are the are the employees who are the caregivers for the kids and the form people for who are taking care of the farm. You know, the the people in the background, no, no one else. It's 100 percent grassroots. All right. Great. Well, we'll find that that link. So if anybody's listening, wants to join and donate. So. That's not the only thing you do, though. And I understand since you moved from Colorado to uh, New Mexico now, you may not be part of this as much, but you were with High Hopes of Colorado, which is a big aviation volunteer group. What did they do? So, uh, again, it was an initiative, you know, mostly started there in the Colorado Springs area. There were, you know, there were professionals from all over. We had military professionals. We had um, people who were instructors and and ran owned flight schools and you know, members of the community that were there on the board. But the the whole initiative, there were there were actually two kind of sides to High Hopes for Colorado. And one was a Wounded Warriors project okay. where we worked with Fort Carson and they would help recommend individuals to us and we would take them on discovery flights, you know, depending on on what they had going, you know, either it was maybe an introduction to the industry or it was something maybe as a therapeutic thing for them. Mm-hmm. So we would we would get them up on introductory flights and then from there kind of discuss what their paths might be. Are they interested in a pilot's license? And if maybe they're not medically qualified for a pilot's license, but can we work with them as a sport pilot or a glider pilot mm-hmm. if they're truly invested? Or if, again, medically, there's no way that the individual can can do that, but really wants to stay in the industry we had several that went through an apprenticeship program for for AMP and okay. were working hand in hand with the AMPs that were there. There was also another site to it that was called High Hopes for Teens. And so underserved communities, um, in particular, one kind of juvenile offender program where they went through ground school, they would graduate from ground school, they would then get to come out and do a discovery flight. Mm-hmm. Or there was also kind of a program just maybe not for the kids that were in trouble, but those kids that were underserved. And they also had the opportunity. And we actually have had several pilots that have come out of that program. They were, I have one that's flying heavy for the Air Force. Yeah, and he's one of Air Force now. So really excited to see what he has been able to do. And and it was because he had the opportunity and and he took the opportunity that was given to him. Um, When he decided that's what he wanted to do, then we were able to find sponsors for him. And so he was able to make those transitions. That was it was a lot of fun. That must be so fun to see the whole um, like the beginning and the ultimate the at the end, which is what he's doing. He's flying. And I, I like what you said. He took that opportunity. And these programs can offer opportunities and then it requires the other person to take that opportunity, take advantage of it. Absolutely. And I think that that might be a little bit of a theme of our conversation today. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I want to come back to 
later on. I, I like the fact that you, that organization and you guys, you're not promoting just pilot. You talked about AMP and other sections of the industry, which I think also later on in our conversation will kind of tie back to that because not, you know, it's not just pilots. Right. As you and I know, yeah, this, neither of us are in that technically that part of the industry. So let's let's move on over then to, well, let me step back. You seem to have a very full life. You've got a full-time job. You have a family. You have this volunteer. What is the motivation for all of this? Because you must be busy all the time. Um, we are pretty busy around our house, especially since the children are old enough to now start being involved in all of the things. I just had one that started a very specific program for middle school. He'll go middle school through high school, but it's a performing arts school. And um, I, I don't know. I've actually had, I actually have had a, um, a job coach uh, when, when I was with Cutter. He looked at me yeah. and he was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> the answer is, I don't know. And my parents did not do anything to me, I swear. Um, so I just, I feel like it is my responsibility to be able to give back to people. I am, I am very fortunate in the life that I have. And I am very fortunate in the life that I have transitioned to since I've made the transition to Women in Aviation International. And I was able as a career to do something that I love for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. But it was time to do something for my heart as well. And there, there were there were a few motivating factors, you know, aging, caregiving for aging parents and not being able to go where they needed me to be, um, mm -hmm. as well as as well as kids with a 365 day a year, 24 hour a day job. You know, yes. there were there were a few decisions that went behind that, but it was time to do something for my heart. And if my heart feels like I'm happy, then I'm. That's, I got a happy that's life. Right. That's awesome. Well, we, gosh, we wish there was even more people like that, like you, that would just go out and help in many ways. So I guess maybe that's my next question. What's your suggestion be, to other people that might be listening? How do we get involved in these things? What if we feel like we're nervous, we don't have enough time, or we feel like we don't know anybody in the organization, organization or maybe we, we don't know, what, how am I going to help? Any of those questions you have suggestions to maybe? I so yes, absolutely. You know the, I think as aviation professionals, we are very well, uh, well aware that networking and connections mean everything. Yeah. So the opportunity to make those networks and connections in another in another space, mm -hmm. not necessarily just that professional. You know, I'm a pilot. I'm an FBO manager. I'm in meetings for this specific thing. So I'm going to meet my circle. Mm -hmm. But expanding that a little bit. And I think that my current organization is, well, I'm a little biased toward them because I love them. But mm -hmm. one of the things that is so unique about the organization is the fact that it is so diverse. It, it's from everyone from the enthusiast all the way to the astronaut. And we have ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between that are members and truly focused on the work that the organization is doing. But, you know, that being said, there are other amazing organizations out there. You know, if if you are very passionate about um, about the LGBTQ movement and making sure that they are included and inclusive in this industry, mm -hmm. you know, my organization is very, very, very close with NGPA. We work hand in hand together because we are all about diversity in every way, shape yep. and form. So just join. 
mm-hmm. you know, join and okay. say it's the, the membership fees for organizations like mine, like Women in Aviation International or NGPA, or I guarantee you that your membership is less than what you spend on coffee in a month or so. Sure. Yep. It's mm-hmm. and and the benefits, what I tell people when they're looking at joining, you're going to get out of this what you want to put into it. So if you want to sign up and receive emails and the most beautiful magazine that you've ever seen. It is a beautiful magazine. <laughs> if anybody's seen it, it is so pretty. It's glossy pages. It's not tiny. Like there's plenty of articles. Yeah, it's great. The Aviation for Women magazine, then that's what you're going to get out of a, an experience with Women in Aviation International. But if you want to actually put a little bit more into it and utilize the programs that are there, the Jobs Connect, the Mentorship Connect, the brand new Mentorship Connect that we have going, our scholarship program, which I'm super excited to make a couple of announcements about here today, our scholarship program and the chapters, you know, the chapters really are the heartbeat of this organization. We have we have a few, a, a handful of yeah. individuals that run the this organization, but we depend on those volunteers who are getting out. And You don't have to devote your entire life to it, but, you know, take a couple hours and join a chapter meeting, virtually attend a a scholarship or a resume writing session, or go have fun and go have pizza with everyone and explore a museum, you know, the Air and Space Museum or whatever you have locally. Take a tower tour. We're going to make these connections that are going to be forever. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with this. I'll, and I and I talk about it and I'm not part of any of the chapters, but I've really been looking into doing it more. That's awesome. So you guys really have some. Well, and like you said, all the organizations have all sorts of really cool events and ways to connect. Right. That's good. Listening as an aviation, you've got OBAP, you have. Yeah. You know, there, there are so many organizations. I guarantee you, you can find something that fits that thing that you are passionate about. And it doesn't have to be with my organization. I think mine is amazing, obviously. Yeah. But yes. just getting out there and putting yourself out there a little bit. Participate in a food drive. Participate in, you know, something that they're doing. Get to know these people and, and figure out why they're there and hear their stories. And it it just expands your world. You know, I may not understand what it's like to be one of the 159 African-American women pilots in, in the organization, right? Really? was no the last way. number that I saw. So yeah. I, it may have changed since then. But at the time, there was 159 when they were celebrating that Delta flight. Yes. Right. Those, those numbers came out and they're just shocking. They are I don't shocking. understand what their journey is, but I sure as heck want to make sure that they are supported in their journey. And that the the young people that are coming up behind them have opportunities and don't have to have the same struggle. Sure. Right? Yeah. And and using those 159 as role models, that's I, I love the role model thing. And I mean, if you see somebody else doing it and I'm I'm all about, I guess, copying like I, I like to see somebody else do it and be like, OK, yeah, I could I could do that. I feel like I can do that. Well, and that really applies to the Girls in Aviation Day initiative for Women in Aviation International. I'm not sure if you're ready to get into that. Yes, yeah, do it. Let's start. Perfect. Maybe. Okay, so we're going to talk all about women in aviation, your job there, and all of the different things that women in aviation. And I think one key point that you already made is the fact that this is not just women. I think that's probably a common question that you get. But 
you you talked about it earlier. This is everybody. Everybody can support and join and be a member. That's absolutely right. About 23% of our membership are our gentlemen. We call them our gentlemen, allies, and advocates. Right. Because they are the the fathers and the grandfathers and the husbands and the boyfriends and and the administrators in a company that are saying this is a really important thing that we need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. You know, I I consistently when we are out and we're at conference or at, at Oshkosh, you know, mm-hmm. I will have these proud dads bring their little ones and that, you know, she just took her first flight. How do I help her get where she needs to go? Because the opportunities are not presented to young women in particular uh-huh. as they are growing up. And and to be able to even know that this world exists is just a huge, you see, and you're right, you said about representation, you see these little eyes and they're like, wait a minute, I can do that. I can be a rocket scientist. I've never known a girl rocket scientist or they, we are very fortunate in my local chapter. We have the support of Virgin Galactic and they get to meet Virgin Galactic folks, oh, cool. <laughs> you know, sit on, sit on a zoom meeting with, with these Beth Latimer doing a presentation. And that, that's been a couple of years ago, please. But we're trying to make sure they have these things in front of them and they see if you see it, you believe it and you know you can do it. That is so cool. That's great. Very good point. OK, so we were kind of headed towards girls in aviation. Mm-hmm. Girls in aviation is a relatively new piece of women in aviation international, right? It's been going for about nine. We're doing our ninth annual this year. And nice. September 23rd is the official day. However, okay. we'll have some chapters where or or corporate members, corporate sponsors mm-hmm. who are host, hosting on a different day. So if you're curious, you can find all uh, your local events on the WAI website, okay. www.waai.org. And they go to events mm-hmm. and then it'll say GIAD. So Girls in Aviation Day. And you can find your local event from from those links. OK, and great. Right now, we have approximately 118 registered events getting ready to occur all internationally. We started with just under 4,000 on our very first uh, our very first initiative for Girls in Aviation Day. And now Eight. on our ninth ed- initiative, we have 34,000 oh that are registered. And we wow. still have registration. We still have events that are coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, that have not have not told us about their event just yet. P.S. If you haven't done that to anyone out there, you really, really need <laughs> yep. to do that for me. Get it in. Yeah. It in. <laughs> so from 4,000 to 34,000 wow. in 10 years. Yep. Huge. It is huge. And it is, a, it is an event that will make your heart so full if you are able to attend and volunteer. Take your Take your kiddo, volunteer, because we're always looking for volunteers for these events. And I have a dog. I have a dog that is uh, apparently chasing a rabbit in her sleep. So I'm sorry if you can hear. <laughs> no worries. No worries. I can, I can hear. I was going to ask you, so where did the idea for, for Girls in Aviation Day come up? And why why is that? Like, why did you guys create that? So as an organization, we have really gone out and our leaders have have done all of these board studies and come up with papers and worked with the FAA to get all of the numbers. And one of the things that we have found is somewhere between the ages of eight and middle school, 
mm-hmm. young ladies are told that they belong in this bubble, this specific okay. bubble, and that whether it be from from their their interpersonal relationships at home and at school or the outside influence of media and social media and those type of things, they're they're forming that bubble. And that bubble beca- starts to become their identity of self, right? Okay. Math and science are hard. And, you know, the, this is the specific thing that that girls are being promoted to do. And we're trying to make sure that they know that there is no bubble. That bubble is imaginary. The entire world is at their fingertips. And whether it be in aviation or not, they can do and be whatever they want to be. But we're presenting them with the opportunity to at least see that there are the opportunities in in being a pilot and the military opportunities and aerospace opportunities. And, you know, we we teach them how to marshal aircraft, not a real aircraft, because there's that. But, you know, we're teaching them how to marshal so that they're learning those ramp skills. Um, mm-hmm. We we do sectional activities with them. We do just experiencing what it is to stand in the basket of a hot air balloon when it's when the envelope is inflated and kind of how does that feel? And like for my chapter in particular, we give them challenges. We we do it in conjunction with a fly-in that that they have locally. Okay. Guys. And so we find out what events are going to be there, what what participants will be there, and we make them a passport. And so they have to go out and talk to Ms. Smith with air traffic control. And they have to go yes. see Mr. Dan and his airplane and and see what it feels like to to hang out and pull the yoke back and forth. And Go to the EAA table and learn how to rivet sheet metal uh-huh. just to spark some interest in somebody. Drones, drone soccer. Drones are huge. Getting drone them in. So they could, yes, drone soccer. Oh my so gosh, it's a cage. Okay. Yeah. And very cool. Learn how to operate a drone. We want them to at least have the experience so that they can take that experience with them as they grow and they know that there is no bubble. That is so cool. I didn't know the research had been done, and um, apologies for my ignorance there. But between eight, so eight years old and middle school is really middle old. school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I also noticed on the Women in Aviation International website that there is a white paper that was produced by the FAA, and I did not read it all, but it looks incredibly interesting. All about 80, yeah, eighty-three pages of content, and it's the why are we, you know, why are we suffering from a lack of representation within these industries? You know, what what's the root cause of that? And and that kind of goes to our Girls at Aviation Day and finding that that eight to middle school as they're forming them their sense of self being. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into why is there, you know, a rate of attrition when they hit a certain point, when when women hit a certain point in their career? And how do we break down any of the barriers that they may be coming up against you know what barriers have we been able to specifically pinpoint that that is is the root cause for any of these questions i'm definitely going to download that in fact i will put the link to that paper in the notes as well i just think it looks fascinating when people hear 83 pages and they kind of hear that it's research they're like oh my gosh it's but in all honesty the professionals that got together and and that put this paper together there was a a big panel um mm-hmm. women in aviation also had representation there and they did a phenomenal phenomenal job now it can't stop there though right like we have to keep 
we can't just look into it once and say, okay, well, we've identified it and here's what we have to actually put the work in and then we have to keep studying. And are we having an impact? And I think the girls in aviation day numbers show that there's a definite impact, but, but can we go further? Can we take that farther? You know, that's awesome. And I think that whole conversation right there maybe leads to my next question. Mm-hmm. And even your opinion or perhaps out of that paper, what do you think that is the biggest challenge for entry into aviation for women? Most of it is opportunity. Okay. Most of it is honestly opportunity. Getting getting the information to them that this is an opportunity and then if there is cost associated to it, figuring out how to break down some of those barriers. The whole mission of our organization is to ensure that everyone has a seat at the table, not an elevated seat, not a different seat, but they've had the opportunity to take that seat because they have had the tools that they need to get there. Very cool. And I think you highlighted that too. Everyone. I said women. It's not just women. It's everyone. Right. Yeah, it's everybody. Well, and I wanted to say, you know, with our gentlemen allies and advocates, they are some of our most passionate volunteers (laughs) that come to conference and they come to Oshkosh and they, you know, see just toting a huge, heavy tote. And I don't get to touch anything because the gentlemen take care of that. They they do have the opportunity, the same opportunities as any other member if they want to apply for scholarships or mentorships or any of those programs. They're really active in their chapters. They're passionate about their chapters. My Indianapolis chapter is led by a gentleman and, and he's got a great team with them, but he started that initiative. He saw that there was a need and he's the one that started that chapter. It's It's just a really cool dynamic to get in and and see and and meet these people yeah oh yeah so definitely get you know get out there and join what do you think in 10 years might be our biggest hurdle well our greatest hope is that we're not talking about this in 10 years yeah like like that this is not a thing that there is not a first woman to do x you know and that's not major news not that i don't absolutely celebrate all of those pioneers. We absolutely celebrate them and we appreciate them, but we don't want that to be a conversation anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, this human accomplished this amazing thing and that human is, is moving forth and and being great. Right. Mm -hmm. I I hope so. I I I know we're seeing huge strides that way, but yeah, I, well, we're going to have to chat about it again in 10 years. So 2033. Let's see where That's we're right. at. We'll do it. I still plan on being here. So. I know. Yeah, me too. I would, boy, I hope so. We won't say how old I'll be at that point, but yeah, I'll probably <laughs> still be working. So I won't quite be to retirement. Let's just say that. Yes, yes. I, I will not be either. Let's talk some more about what the Women in Aviation offers. How many chapters do you have and how many members? There are 173 chapters throughout the world. We have, we are on every continent except for Antarctica at this juncture. Uh, We have European chapters and Asian chapters. And I have a woman that's working uh, right now in Poland, Hungary, Slovakia. She's wanting to start a chapter there. Africa has a huge presence. Um, our African chapters are doing great. Our Australian chapter is phenomenal. They've given 
on their own, they have given over $40,000 worth of scholarships. I just talked to their president yesterday. They're super fantastic. So, you know, those chapters are boots on the ground. Again, we we have our our group that is here on the international level running, trying to run those programs and things and keep everybody. But our, it's really our, our volunteers that are out there and passionate about the work that we're doing and the mission that we have. So many wonderful volunteers. That's that's so 16, cool. 16,000 members internationally at this juncture. Yeah. Wow. That is a huge organization. Um, I'm going to throw this one out. How long has Women in Aviation International been around? I hope I didn't. We are getting ready to celebrate our 35th conference. So, yeah, 35th annual conference will be in Orlando in March of 2024. So I will tell you, they say that Disney is the happiest place on earth. And I would absolutely disagree with them because they've never walked into a WA conference. (laughs) It's you just hear chatter and happiness and hugs and there there is education there that is very specific to a a woman's journey in the industry mm-hmm. you know we talked about caregiving we yeah. that's that's something you know how how do you balance that that role as an aviation professional which tends to be very very stressful and and a lot of time and the caregiving yeah. role whether that be for children or parents or just siblings or or however that goes. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a session this past year about infertility in the military and how that's affecting. So there really are issues that are high priority that we need to talk about that our only exposure to them is sometimes in this area. And then, of course, there's keynote speakers and there are hiring events direct direct to companies they're hiring directly on our floor a lot okay we've got our scholarship awards that happen during conference and i told you i had a scholarship thing we have broken a million dollars this year it's the biggest scholarship pool that we have ever been able to put together with the help of our generous donors and as I said, with our membership, it's from from enthusiast to astronaut. Our scholarships are the same. If you want to be an engineer, there are engineering scholarships, ATC scholarships, manufacturing scholarships. There are obviously for pilots, whether whatever stage of your career you're in, oh. from beginning to getting a type rating in a 787. Wow. It's, it's there. And we're trying to make sure that that opportunity and that educational piece is is available to these people and if you hear some of their stories i have have a story in particular that's on my mind but okay if you hear some of their stories you know it it changes lives it changes the trajectory of what these people have had and and again we have our our female as well as our male members everyone applies and everyone is eligible for those scholarships so and I, I mean, what a great point. Not only is it eligible for everybody who's a member, the scope and the differences of the just the huge range of scholarships available is spectacular because I see a lot of stuff for specific pilots and I mean, AMP licenses. What a what a great thing. So we find them on your website, right? On the website. The uh, okay. scholarships will be going live on Monday. I just received right. an email today. Uh, we we just had a transition from um, the old application system to a new application system, and okay. there was 
a little bug in that transition, but scholarships are going to open on Monday. You do have to be a member of Women in Aviation International to be able to apply. Okay. Um, as an individual member, you know, we, we have the cost listed on the website. So there are individual memberships, student memberships. And then we had an amazing donor that came in and we were able to provide our junior memberships for 18 and under 100% free. So they have access to all of these resources. And then they also, we were able to bring on a professional educator. So she makes sure that all of the material that goes out hits those educational milestones and requirements. And we have a a magazine that is designed specifically for them. So three target audiences within that one magazine for elementary, middle, and high school paths. Okay. And then we have an Aviation for Girls Connect once a month where they get to meet drone pilots. They get to meet balloonists. They get to meet aerospace professionals. or And they also oh. have to do an experiment during that Connect. Okay. Junior members are only allowed. We make sure that they are very protected in that space because uh-huh. you know, you're, you're working with kiddos. Yep. But... They they get to they get to have those things and then they have access to our Aviation for Girls app that's available on both Apple and uh, Google. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely fantastic. It gives them all of the issues for the Aviation for Girls magazine that they can look at. We have recorded pre-recorded videos with those career paths that I mentioned. Uh We've just developed a career guide that is going to go on the app as well as something for us to put out that has all of these available careers to include things that people may not think about graphic design and and journalism and mm-hmm. um you know those type of things making sure that that they understand that it all plays a part in this industry with the opportunities that they have there's experiments and and activities on there again written by our educators so they're mm-hmm. they're having fun doing something but they're also getting that that learning segments in there as well and yeah all kinds of stuff the app is really really cool you know, I think aviation is just a cool industry in the fact that you can put almost any subset career into it. And right. me just being a small business owner, I hire for marketing skills. I hire for financial skills, budgeting. It, you don't necessarily have to have any experience with aviation, but it's going to be attached to aviation. And uh, we use skills from all sorts of different sectors Um writing we have people that write for us we have social media people so anything that you like to do can be attached to aviation that's absolutely correct and and bringing that to their attention you know well i want to be a nurse that's great do you know what flight nurses get to do yeah and do you know what opportunity for advancement and or your salary are available to flight nurses let's talk about that for a minute you know and and then you get them engaged And so for the little ones, I have I have a pretty I have a pretty script, I guess, that I should say that I talk to when I'm talking to the little ones in particular. And I get down on I I ask permission first because I'm very tall. We have not met in person, Lindsay, but I'm now six feet tall. So (laughs) I'm very tall. And when I'm talking to these little ones, they're like looking up at me. And so (laughs) I say, you know, I know I'm really tall. Is it okay if I come down? you know, and, and we get to talk and yeah. Okay. So we talk about it a little bit. And then at the end, I'm like, you know what? I said, I need to ask you one last question. It's a big question. They're like, what? I said, can I have a pinky promise? And so we do a pinky promise and I tell them like, you know, pinky promises are for 
forever, right? Oh, yeah, Miss Jesse. We know pinky promises are forever. And I say, I'm like, okay, well, we have pinky promise. I need you to remember that you are amazing. You are brilliant. And you can do and be anything that you want to be when you grow up. And so, and so then, you know, I'm like, okay, well, we pinky promise is, Mm -hmm. will you, that's forever, right? Yep, that's forever. And then I have them repeat, I'm amazing, I'm brilliant, and I can do anything that I want to when I grow up. And wonderful role model. All of our kids need that. It's just making them believe in themselves and introducing them to something. And because we were able to provide the program for free, that's just even more encouragement that these kids get as they're getting their magazines and they're getting on to connect and they're, you know, they're experiencing other people that are interested in the same thing that people are interested in. Right. As a parent, and I, my mind are a little bit bigger now, but for a while during the middle school years, they wanted that magazine. There's magazines out there that has it's like called Girls Life or something. But for, for me as a parent, it looked all about makeup and and hair and clothes. And that wasn't what I was looking for. So if you're a parent looking for this and you can send a really cool, it's it's beautiful, shiny magazine, but it has different content perhaps than makeup and hair and you would prefer that get your kid involved yeah that's the encouragement right and you can find again you can find all of the magazines on the app you downloadable just search aviation for girls app as well as on our website so there's a portion for our media and our magazines and you can go back and take a look at all of our past issues of both afg and afw awesome oh good good Let's see. I have some other questions for you. Let's see. Statistics. That's that was my that was a big thing I wanted to talk about. So a really cool page that you guys have on that website is all about statistics. And these are official statistics that come from the FAA. And I'm just going to read off and look at some of them. So I'm going to look just straight on the pilots piece of it for right now. This is from 2020, sorry, 2020, the end of uh, 2020 data. 691,691 pilots total of that 58,000, which kind of sounds like a large amount, right? But that translates over to only 8.4% of pilots in this country are women. 8.4%. We make up 50%, of course, you know, around 50% of the population. We're only at 8.4%. You can go even further down. You guys have non-pilot information in here, too. Now, non-pilot brings it up a little bit. It's showing 30.2, but still 30.2 only in non-pilot aviation jobs. And our significant representation you're going to see for women is going to be a large percentage on the flight attendant side, as well as a large percentage on our scheduler and dispatcher side. So, you know, those two... Yep. are the highest. And then the next is that 8.4% of our, well, I guess we do have parachute riggers that are at 10%. But, you know, we it, the numbers just go down. And yeah. that is a sad and scary realization. When you're looking at 2.6% of AMP mechanics are female. Yes. I like to work on stuff. I love to work with me my too. Actually. I know a lot of people that are like a lot of women that are like me. Why are they not in the environment? Mm-hmm. Yep. And 
even past that for the maintenance section is at least in the part 91 section. I mean, I'm so excited. I'm going to meet my first director of maintenance that is female in a couple of weeks. And I'm really excited to meet her. And I, w- I won't name her just because I, I don't know her yet. But that's the first one. I mean, I don't even know how many director level maintenance techs that are or maintenance um, personnel are women. I mean, I know two. Two? Yeah, I know I mean, two. Two. Out of all of these aviation companies, only two? Yeah. I'm so excited to meet her because I would love to know what her journey is. And and like you were saying before, how how can we and Women in Aviation International support more people's journey like that? So that is a great space to talk about the brand new Mentorship Connect program that yes. Women in Aviation International has started. We are so fortunate. This is a really great program. Uh, we We worked long and hard to make sure it was the right program. Because we want to make sure that as our mentors and mentees are coming in, we're making the right match for them and asking the right questions and putting putting people together. But that mentorship piece is huge. If you have someone that's walked the same path and even when I'm talking to my students and my collegiate chapters and they're like, well, yeah, but Jess, we're just students. And I said, that's okay. There is a young woman who's still in high school who's looking for the same path that you have taken. and. What worked for you and what didn't work for you? What advice might you have on, you know, financial aid or can you work while you're still going to school and doing flight training at the same time? Because all of those three things together are very, very stressful and they they take up a lot of time and you're on your own for the first time out of school, you know, out of your parents' house and in school. You can absolutely be a mentor no matter what stage you're in. Because there's someone else looking for someone just like you. Yeah, that's that's so that's really good advice, because I think you probably have some listeners who are like, oh, I, I'm just not maybe I'm not qualified to be a mentor. And it doesn't have to be something where you're you're in touch with someone every day. You know, have a have a once a week check in with each other and and do a lean in and, and really gauge how everyone's doing it. It doesn't have that can be your piece of volunteerism. You know, that can be the piece that fits into your life. And I will tell you, the first time that one of your kids steps off of an airplane because they did it. Yeah. And they still call you boss or whatever. I Sorry, that's a little emotional for me. Like, it's a big moment because... I'm still important enough to them that they're still calling me boss lady. First of all, that that means that a lot to me. Yeah. Means a lot to me. But it also means a lot to me that I got to watch their journey. I got to see yeah. where they're going, and not only watch but support. Right. You know, maybe they wouldn't have made it without it, and and giving them the resources that they need. Um, I, I mentioned earlier with the scholarships that I had a story, and yeah, my story revolves around a, a young lady that we are are familiar with, and I'm going to keep it as as generalized as possible. But the young lady that we're very familiar with that we got involved in in a chapter, and she was interested in flying, and so she started doing some of that as well. And she is first generation English speaking in her family. She's first generation to graduate from high school, and she's first generation to ever go to college. Wow. But there was there was a challenge within her life and her family's life. And mm-hmm. she was working full time to help support everything. And the money was not going to be there for her to be able to finish her last year of school. Okay. And she had communicated this to us 
And so we, you know, urged her in different places that she could apply. And she applied for um, the engineering scholarship and she won enough money to pay for her bachelor's degree. Gosh, that is awesome. So the fact that it generally, whatever, whatever involvement that you have, however you can get involved and engaged with people, it really does have an impact. You know, she, who knows what it would have happened. I hope that she is driven enough that she would have been able to make it back. But life circumstances sometimes take you places you didn't expect to be. And well, we hear stories all the time of people who are like, well, I, I started this and I had it to let it go. And so, yeah, sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with the, the motivation and stuff. It just life didn't work out. Right. But you guys helped work, make it work out for her. That was yeah, life changing, like you said before. Life changing. And that's the reason that I chose to um, transition from a job that I absolutely loved for Win Kenner. And I made that transition over here. You know, again, you, there were there were the the outside factors that were were pushing in a manner. But I thought there were other opportunities that I could have explored farther. But this organization, Women in Aviation International, I watched change lives like for real or real. And I wanted to be a part of that in any way possible. What a rewarding job. That is so cool. And I think I think all of us should just join, you know, join and help more and give back more and apply for those scholarships and use your mentorship opportunities. Use your there are job connect opportunities. There are member discounts. You know, if you are working through your private pilot training. King mm-hmm. Schools gives a, a five course safety for free. And then you get a 20% discount on anything from King Schools as you're you're going wow. through your journey. They're huge partners of ours. You know, there again, there's the conference opportunity that you can yeah. go and you can you can have, you know, Eileen Collins walking beside you or General Van Obist or you know, these, these amazing women, Nicole Malakowski, that you have watched forge these trails for us. And they're still right in the middle of us having a great time and learning and meeting people and just really trying to to be a part of a community with one another. That's so, so cool. And that brings me I kind of shifting gears a little bit. But I went I got to go to the S&D committee, the conference this year. Yeah. And there was a wonderful fighter pilot, female fighter pilot that spoke. And you are part of the S&D committee and you have been for, gosh, five years. Yeah, about right? five years now. It was it was another volunteer opportunity that I had taken when I was I was still employed with my my former job. And WAI has been amazing. They've let me, you know, they're they're absolutely passionate about me staying in that role. I don't want to say they let me. They're passionate about it because it also gives it gives us the opportunity to talk to the scheduler and dispatcher community and say, hey, we're here to we're here to support as well yeah. as an organization. But, you know, on on a personal side, I, I've been here for five years. I have had the opportunity this year. I am co-chairperson with Brian Abrahamson. Nice. It's an amazing volunteer opportunity to get in. You know, for me, I was a vendor. I am mm-hmm. not a professional scheduler and dispatcher, and I've gotten to learn a new world that I didn't understand as well as I should have. I worked with, but I didn't quite understand as well as I should have. And and I've gotten to understand some of the struggles. I've gotten to understand the yeah. the um 
there's a lot of things that go into it. If we if we know the scheduler and dispatcher world, we know that there are some challenges. And and yep. what I love about the schedulers and dispatchers conference is that it is an education conference. So mm-hmm. where schedulers and dispatchers may not have had the opportunity to you know, work on professional developments anywhere else throughout the year, mm-hmm. we're providing the committee and NBA are providing this opportunity to go and and learn and get gain more skills and yeah. be able to advance yourself. They uh, schedulers and dispatchers committee also has scholarships that will be rolling out here very soon. And you know, there's just a ton of opportunity and that it, it's an amazing community. So we're really excited for Fort Worth. Our theme for the year, Brian and I chose uh, to engage and empower where your quest begins, because Fort Worth is known as where the West begins. Okay. So we had a little play on words there, Great. where your quest begins. And we really want to provide the opportunity for, again, everyone in their career. So the the beginner that's attending, do we have an educational path for, for them? Do we have someone who's that mid-level career person just looking for information and, and additional development? Or is there someone who's looking for that personal development side of things? You know, we're finally as an industry starting to talk about mental health and those things that are so important that we have not talked about for a really long time. Right. Yep. And so how can we offer that support to our scheduling and dispatching community as well? Well, I want to personally say thank you for all the work that you and Brian and the whole team does because we benefit from it. Myself, my team, we send people, I go, we go to the education sessions, we do networking. It's spectacular. So thank you because I... I know these are, again, a volunteer position. Volunteer time out of your regular life. And instead of, I don't know, drinking beer at the local <laughs> pub or whatever it is that you might like to do, you know, you are working on programs that help others. So thank you, guys. That's the goal. Thank you. We, yeah. It is our pleasure. We, we absolutely love doing it. Anyone that's in the scheduling and dispatching world and familiar with it, I highly recommend getting involved with the committee. I am walking away with some of my best friends in the whole world from this committee experience. People that I would have maybe known but never had the opportunity to bring them into my world. And I am so thankful for all of it. It's been a great experience. That's so cool. So cool. Well, I am aiming to be there in Fort Worth, so I hope to see you then. And awesome. Jesse, thank you so much for your time. Hey, you've been really inspirational in your journey. And and what if somebody wanted to reach out and talk to you? Where would they find you? So um, you can reach me on my email at any point in time. So it is first initial, last name. So J Rowden, R-O-W, D is in Delta, E is in Echo, N is in November, at WAI.org. Perfect. Sounds great. And I would well, love to you. talk to anyone anytime. So, okay. All right. Thank you again, Jesse, for everything. And glad to have you back on the podcast again. And then hopefully it's before the next 10 years. But if not at the latest 10 years, let's see where we're struggled, the, if we have any more struggles left. I, I'm hoping that we as a community have come together and there are no work, more struggles and we are working toward ensuring the environmental impact or something. I don't there know we go. what, right. Whatever it happens to be, you know, we, we pick up that next cause and we start rolling with it, but let's hope that, that this one we've been able to address in a manner that is making significant changes. Yep. I think we will. I think it's awesome though. Thanks again. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. 
Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for more episodes. And check out our website for up-and-coming podcasts. This has been a production of the Business Aviation Collective, sponsored by LD Aviation.